Okay, um, this is um, a podcast which I'm trying to do just to show the rest of the world that um, footballers do survive after football. Sometimes they go on to bigger and better things uh, like in media and coaching um, and some just fall away by the wayside and they do their own thing and become very successful in that. Um, one of the people which I'm going to speak to is Paul Gibbs tonight, and we've worked out that um, he was born in uh, 26th of October, 1972. Right, what's that? 48 years old. Right, how would you describe yourself now? I'm probably feeling, without looking, probably feeling younger than I've ever felt. To be totally honest with you, I think uh, youth is wasted on the young. To be honest with you, Darren, um, <laughs> I, 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 I feel I feel absolutely great. Apart from you know the enforced lockdowns and everything else that we're having to to, to live through at the moment, but um, but yeah, as, as in myself and fitness wise and health wise, you know, uh, apart from again the the dodgy calf muscles and hamstrings and stuff like that, I feel absolutely great. So if, if you look at it, would you now class yourself, do people see you as a businessman, a successful businessman or an ex-footballer? You know, it depends who you talk to. Um, you know, I still get a lot of the, the Brentford fans messaging me and a lot of the Torquay fans messaging me, not so much the Barnsley or Plymouth um, or Colchester. Colchester was a long, long time ago, but um, I think probably... Now, uh, people just know me purely for Paul at PNS Personnel Services, not so much the, the washed up football, footballer that I used to be back in and retiring in 2003. So that is a, that's a long time out of the game. And, you know, you, you, your name disappears very, very quickly within certain circles, but not so much within the, if you've had a great game or played brilliantly for a club, they do, they do remember you. So you've mentioned a couple of teams there. I will go through. You started your career at this and you went on to Colchester, Torquay, Plymouth, Brentford, Barnsley, Gravesend, Canvey Island, Weymouth and back to Goldston. Okay, back to your roots down in that side. I want to test your knowledge now. Which one of them teams did you play the most games for? Uh, Brentford. How many games? 65. Ooh, not far off. 54. So, Out of all those teams that I've just mentioned, which one did you score the most goals for? Torquay. Wrong. Really? No. This time? No one can find details that far back from this. What you oh, I scored loads. I scored loads for that. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I did. Okay, I like you scored nine goals for Plymouth. And that is, no, that's you've got that wrong. Ooh. You've got that wrong. Go on then, tell uh, me why. I, I, you, I will make you stand corrected there. I scored, actually scored 10 for Torquay. Um, Wikipedia will show that I scored nine, but I scored 10. I scored three for Plymouth, I believe. Oh, okay. I've got the video to prove it because Miss Chamberlain <laughs> made, me, made me a video of my goals for Torquay. Oh, check you out. All right, Nick, drop the names in already. <laughs> All right, so the question is then, okay, we're going back to Torquay. Why did you score so many as a fullback? Um, Kevin Hodges and Steve McCall there, they they played a, a, a the, what is the wing back, with the 3-4-3, the three, three, but we had a, 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 a was a 3-5-2. Um, and I was a I was a wing back. I wasn't I wasn't a great defender, I was great going forward. I love to set up goals, but um, yeah, I, when I first went there, I, I, we had a penalty against Chef Wednesday in, um, in a pre-season friendly. Tony Bedos uh, stepped up and, and missed it. I'd only just joined there by about two or three games. 
And then I, in the change room, I said, I'm on penalties from now on in. And uh, I scored six penalties that season. Um, and I scored four, I think five penalties for that season and five from free play. But yeah, I, I was I was an attacking. They wanted me to attack. I was very quick in my younger days. Um, and the whole emphasis was we had big three, really big, strong centre-halves that would spread out the back three and allow me and Andy Gurney uh, to bomb forward. And to this day, um, myself and Andy Gurney still hold the record, both wing-backs scoring 10 goals in the season. That is good, yeah. especially if you look, I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan. I've been since I was about eight or nine. And this is the only year where I've been able to jump up and down about it. But if you look at yeah. their full-backs, how many assists they get, would you class yourself as a bit of a Trent going forward or more of a um, a walker? Um, Joe, well, I'm the other side. So more of a, a Robertson. Um, I, I, I'm, so as I was a, the left wing back and... I'll be honest. With you, I we if I had my time now, I'd be very interested to, to find it. I I was only very much one footed, very left footed, um, but I'd love to know what I could do now because I was me and Andy Gurney were the original wing backs. You know, no one else really played that formation back then. Kevin Hodges and Steve McCall were had had a, a brilliant formation and it worked so well for us. Um, when I was at Torquay, we I had um, two Premiership moves, kind of. Uh, be scuppered one from Leicester and one from Reading. Um, I think there was a Leicester came in. I'd played 12, 13 games for Torquay at that time, yeah, and uh, scored scored quite a few goals in that time. Set up quite a few, and um, like, I think Leicester had come in and offered a uh, half a million quid for me. Bearing in mind Torquay got me on a free, um, mm. and the club wanted a million, so it it didn't happen. I was pretty devastated. I wasn't told until afterwards. Um, and then later on that season, Reading came in um, with Terry Terry Bullivant. Um, but I actually, Terry Bullivant became my assistant manager at Brentford. And he then said to me, the reason he pulled away from it at the end is because I was then, he said, if I'd have brought you in when I wanted you, Gibbo, he said, you would have, your next four games would have been Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs. And I said, so why didn't you get me? You, you could have retired <laughs> after that. Oh, tell <laughs> me about it. But I, my agent, yeah, my agent at the time had, um, was basically telling me like, what the the, the uh, weekly wage was going to be. And I mean, I'd pretty much signed the deal without signing the deal. Um, I then got injured as well, uh, I think a week after that. So it all fell by the wayside. So, <laughs> so what was your mindset like right um, then? I think if... After the Leicester one, it was done and dusted. So I kind of wasn't too disappointed. I was I was gutted, but I thought, well, if Leicester are interested in me, yeah, and I carry on doing what I'm doing, then another club's going to be. So I'm I'm a very, very, very positive person. I I struggle with negativity. I struggle with people that will only look at a problem and not a solution. So in football, I was always that upbeat character. I was always very vocal in the change room. I was the joker in the change room because if I, I think, I guess if I stopped and really thought deep about football, it would probably put me off playing. So there's a clip, there's a small video on, on the internet of you turning around and saying that footballers are elite and they're above everyone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, now when I, know I just it, yeah. heard that, I actually thought, where are you going with this? You are going to just dig yourself a hole and everything. But once you explained it, it actually made 100% sense. So can you remember that interview now? I can, yeah. I can remember, I can remember saying that we're, we're, we, are, we are elite um, without, again, without trying to make it 
nasty to people that are not footballers, but but to become a professional footballer, you have to you have to have that extra percentage, that that extra edge, that extra bite, that extra determination. And not everyone's got that. You have got to be unbelievable, unbelievably straightforward in your thinking and what you're going to achieve. And and they are an elite view. Why the elite athletes are where they are, the elite body lift bodybuilders are where they are because it takes the extra strain and you know you really have got to have some serious self-belief and like you said there you know it verges on that on that line you know but it's having the ability to channel that as well and to be able to focus your your drive and your passion into your abilities that you've been given so how how do you think on that day where that person missed that penalty if he turned around and said no you're not on penalties i'm still taking them how would you react would you have just sunk back onto that the bench as it used to be in the olden days or would you have had the argument or would you turn around and went no I am on them and stand your ground with that yeah no I would have taken them off him because I mean he was a he was a younger lad um I mean I just joined there I was 25 he was 21 22 um I'd started really well uh, Kevin Hodges and Steve McCall brought me to the club uh, they said they wanted me to score goals they said they wanted me to attack um i I didn't change them after I did the cab. I said, I'm on pens. And and I said, has anyone got a problem with that? I said, because if you have, we'll have a penalty competition on Monday. I said, and we'll and we'll go through it. And guess what? We had the penalty competition and I won. And I was so determined that season, I wanted to make a name for myself. You know, and I was very, very, I, I, football's a very short life. And I was 25 years old. And, and on that time, 325 quid a week. That's what I was on. And I knew in my head, I was a bit money hungry and I knew that I had to earn money. So I needed to stand out. Um, and that was it. So I thought, right, I'm on pens. I'm on free kicks. I'm on throw-ins. I'm on goal kicks. I'll take whatever I need to do to, to be as selfish as I possibly can to stand out, but still be a great team player. And I think that's where the big mixture comes from because some people, they can either do one or the other. And if you can have that fine mix of that, I mean, you went on um, to have a number of different awards, okay? And the awards um, or the honours, um, the main one, or a few, um, the FA Bars winner in 93-94 for this, okay, where I believe you might have scored a little goal in that game. Yeah, I mean, that, there we go again. You know, we're talking about that elite attitude. Um, we were 90, we were 1-0 down um, in the 97th minute of the game wow. and we got a penalty and we got a penalty um i'd scored 15 penalties that season um <laughs> and every one of them went to the keeper's top right and and i knew he knew where i was going but as i was walking up to the problem one of the guys had cramp so he was down on the floor as well so i had to wait about four minutes to take this penalty so behind that goal i thought i need to focus i need to focus my sister's boyfriend at that time in the old Wembley, he was stood right behind a goal. He had a black and white jumper on. I could see him as clear as day. And he was right in line to where I wanted to put the, put the ball. When he, the other lad eventually got up, the, the whistle went and he was stood where I wanted to put it. And bang, it went straight there. The keeper got a hand to it, but it flew in. And that was then where I then, I played over in Norway for six months after that. But I then came back on trial and David Pleat um, took me on trial for Luton for four months. Um, unfortunately, I didn't quite make it again. Unfortunately, I'd have got an injury against Eric Tortsmith at Tottenham. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, 
So, yeah, he came out for a challenge. I went up for a header with him and he stuck his knee in my medial ligament and uh, injured me for four months. Mm. So that's why I, I ended up at uh, Colchester. But, yeah, I yeah I kind of, that's why I want to be that person that sits right on the edge of being a hero or a villain. Yeah, you've got to. I mean, the next honour what you got was the Football League trophy runners-up in 96-97. You went on to be the Football League playoffs uh, runner-up 97-98. Uh, Football League trophy runner-up in 2001-2002. Uh, one of the things, if it was me, I'd be looking at it. And in your 98-99 season, you were named in the PFA Team of the Year. That has to be the best accolade I've ever received in football because that's voted by my fellow footballers. Um, and that's something I always wanted to achieve. When I was playing football, I wanted to be the best wing back or the best left back in the league. I wanted to be that person. Um, and when I was playing for Colchester, I was up against a lad who's at Bristol Webb, uh, Andy Webb, I believe. Um, and I mean, there were some fantastic players in, in, in my league. And I, I kind of thought, I, I, I so desperately want it. And um, when Steve McCall came through, um, I'd been out injured again, you know, uh, at that point, and I was out for a couple of months. So I obviously started very well that season. Um, and Maka came through into the change room and said, uh, Gibbo, can I have a word? I thought, oh, what have I done now? <laughs> um, and he sat me down and he put his hand out and shook my hand. I said, what's that for? He said, um, I'm absolutely delighted for you. He said, you've just won um, player of the season for your, for your position. You know, so you've been voted for by your fellow pros. I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> it's like, no, um, and, and I, it was just, I, it's one of them ones I can't really explain how I felt at that time. I was like, oh, great, yeah, that's amazing. Well, where, where do we go get a drink? You know, PFA do, let's yeah, go on lads yeah. and, and get pissed. Um, so did that but, get you a pair rise? No, 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 not, not at all. But actually, <laughs> that season, that season uh, it was great for, the, for Plymouth. As a, um, I was with Plymouth at the time, um, but... No, didn't didn't get anything for it. It was um, it was it was great for my for my name in football. I think yes. that's that's what it achieved. It it raised my profile. So I want to I want a little test for you here. So in that season of ninety eight ninety nine, can you name some of the players what won the same year as you in the Premier League? David Ginola. He was one of them. Uh, David Seaman. No, he didn't. Um, it must have been Tony Adams. No, Tony Adams wasn't there. They put the winners all in the same row, uh, in the same tables next to each other. So I was on League Three and Two, and then there was League One, and I can't remember who else was there. But um, I know David Ginola sat virtually because I had my blonde spiky hair at that time. And David Ginola came up to me and he said, Great hair. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. The end of the night, I'll buy Yeah, it. that was That's it. And, yeah, and he was my hero anyway, Ginola. I absolutely loved yeah. him. What a player. So some of the people in that, you said Seaman, Nigel Martin. Ah, he got Nigel it. Martin won it that year. So the defenders were Gary Neville, Sol Campbell, Yap Stam and Dennis Irwin. So you were like in good company. All right. Yeah. Then um, you had um, Petit Ginola and the one and only David Beckham. He won it wow. the same year. And the two he weren't there won. that night. <laughs> Was he not? No, no. Yeah, well, he more than likely had other things to go to, didn't he? Yeah, the two totally. up front, who can you who do you think up front? One was Man United, one was Arsenal. Andy Cole, no, Dwight York, yeah, Dwight York. Who was the other one? French, he played, he had a little spell at Liverpool, which I think he didn't do anything there. He also, I think he had a spell at Man City as well. No, it's gone blank, that way. Anelka, 
Really? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. He was there, in fact. Now oh, was he? That. He was there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what, that is, uh, you put that team together, no wonder it won PFA of the year. Yeah. That is a cracking, yeah. cracking team. But I want to take you back to the 8th of May, 1999. What can you remember? That wasn't me breaking my leg game, was it? Yeah, it was. So that was in the 44th minute you broke your leg. Yep. Obviously, Jimmy Glass scored um, late on, what was it, the 94th minute or something like that. Yeah. Um, yep. But he, how did you feel in that game? When Obviously, you're not going to be the best position anywhere. But when you come off in a game as big as that, with the injury what you had... That first 45, 40-odd minutes I was playing, I was having an absolute worldie. Because um, I knew I was going up a division. I knew I was going to Brentford on, you know, I, Plymouth, I was on 700 quid a week. At Brentford, they'd, they'd offered me, I think it was 1250 So I was like, I got a sign-on on fee. I'd, I'd literally spent money on holidays, me and the lads going away on holiday. Um, and then I, Steve McCall played a ball just around the corner. Um, and I saw this lad coming in and I thought, let me just tow this up the line. And as I swung my leg to just to clip up the line, he came straight leg me. And that, my leg just, I remember him hitting me and I heard a, a massive crack and there was 10,500 people there. They all went, oh, and I remember as I was flipping over, I was thinking, just do not do not land on your leg because uh, I knew it was broken. Um, and, you know, the physio was on straight away. I got um, taken in. Uh, their manager he came in and cuddled me. They said, I'm so, so... That was a horrific challenge. He didn't even get booked. I got taken at half-time into uh, the hospital. So um, this, the story is obviously a massive game for Carlisle. Um, it was on in the hospital, on the radio, how important it was for Carlisle to stay in the league. I was getting my leg plaster-casted Right when Jimmy Glass scored the goal, the nurse dropped my leg. I went, Yes, <laughs> did you know who you were? Because, well, yeah, I was still in my kit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, did yeah. you have words with her? Oh, uh, so but there again, when you know, I was told that day, um, I still had another year at Plymouth, but I was, I was told that day I would never play football again because where I broke my leg at the dispersal point was there and the doctor said you'll you'll never get to be able to play again um and i refused that i i, I instantly just ignored him as white noise i went i will and he went i don't think you will so you know i i did i i went to a very uh tim briggs a guy in london put a, a pin in between my tib and fib he said you've got a 50 50 chance mate and that was it I, and i made it back with that injury, obviously, comes you've got the physical side of things and you've got months and months of rehabilitation. Where was your mindset with that? Again, I, I could only see one way. I could only look forward because it's a very dangerous place back that way. When If you know you've been playing football, rehab is just you, a, a very small club. Yeah. You don't have the luxury of this huge gyms and four or five people around you giving you guidance on your food on everything you know it was just me and the physio saying right go over there get on a bike or actually you can't even walk so you've got to learn to walk again first once you can walk again you've got to do your basic stretches so everything needed to be retrained and my in my head all I told myself is that doctor said you'll never do it so I'm the type of person when someone tells me I can't do it guess what I'm gonna go do it Going to prove them wrong. And, I know that feeling. Uh, exactly. Uh, and uh, exactly. And, 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 
you know, again, I could have so easily, but felt so sorry for myself and, and gone down a road where I knew was never, ever going to be helpful to me. So I just stuck my head down, hit the gym really hard, top half. I thought I'm going to get really strong. I'm going to do build myself up. And when my leg is better, I'm going to be physically stronger on that pitch. So I can, I can demand or, or, or drive a bit more and, you know, be a bit more competitive. Um, and, you know, the minute I got back onto that pitch, uh, I, it's just the best day ever. I was like a brand new player again. Would you take that moment in time or that handshake where you got told the PFA? Uh, do you know what? I would probably say getting back on that pitch. Yeah. Because once I got back on that pitch, I knew I was at Plymouth. And again, from that doctor telling me I'd never play again in, in Division Three, I ended up playing in the Championship. So I ended up getting not only Plymouth, League, League Three, Division Two, and then as it went to the Championship. And playing in that championship was when I looked around Man City's ground and the clubs that I played against in there and, and being at Barnsley, who had just got relegated from the Premiership, I looked around and looked at the players and thought, yeah, not bad for my lad, he should not be playing football. Yeah, I can remember I played um, two seasons at Wroxham. Uh, anyway, we went on this cup run and um, I went to take a goal kick. And as I struck through it, my right quad um, just pinged and I knew it had gone. Um, and I'm still now where your hip flexor, where it connects right at the top, I've got no um, quad there. So it had all literally re released and gone right the way down. Yeah. And I knew we were playing uh, Deerham in the, the cup final about four or five weeks time. So I didn't say anything. And I was in tears. I was playing football and I was in tears. And something inside me said, if you go off now, you don't play Carrow Road. You stay on and you do it. So I went home. My wife, luckily, Mel, she's um, PT and she does all that side to she's stretching off trying to do it. It needed surgery. And I just, I wasn't going to have surgery. So I took so many painkillers to get me through these four games. Um, yeah. And I can remember playing at Carra Road and every time I kicked it. Now, I think there's a little video somewhere out there where you actually see me. I play more left footed than what I do right foot, but no one ever noticed that I pulled my right quad. And I played yeah. in the final, and unfortunately, we got beat one nil in that game. So, but yeah. that just goes to show that that there's a lot of people this day and age what would have turned around and went, "I'm coming off." Yeah, and like what you said yeah. earlier, that top one or two percent where the elite will want to play at the highest level, they'll go through yeah. the pain barrier. How many injections or tablets have you taken through your career? I, I, I'm I'm still rattling to be totally honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's it's what you do, isn't it? It is. I mean, one of the things what struck me with yours, although you've played for a lot of teams, your longest time at a club was two years. Or... There's, in all honesty, um, money. If that's the God's honest truth. Um, the money that I was on, I was chasing the dollar. Um, because the only club I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave Torquay because um, I loved, everything was right about that club. Um, well, unfortunately, we lost to Colchester, which is a, a horrific scenario for me after playing for Colchester and then losing to them the following season yeah um but that team if that would have stayed together one more year um we could have gone places 100% Kevin Hodges Steve McCall we built a great team um and if Mervyn Benny and uh, the the chairman and the others would have just said look let's keep these guys together let's give them I would have took another hundred pounds just to stay there because I absolutely loved it I felt yeah. in control of my game 
Um, for the first time in my football career, I felt invincible. No matter what I did, no matter what I touched, it was just working. Um, but then I, I, I left. Um, I was going to go to Leighton Orient um, with Tommy Taylor. Um, but then Kev called me, said, look, don't sign. I'm going to Plymouth. I, it's about to be released. Whatever he's offered you, I'll offer you. So I obviously lied and told him I've got offered a lot more. <laughs> Did you ever tell him that? Uh, no. Uh, so this will go out if he <laughs> sees it. Sure it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I wanted to stay loyal to Kev because he brought me to Torquay from Colchester. Yeah, and I wanted to stay loyal to him. And, and that meant a lot to me, you know, to, to give him that, you know, that, that, that loyalty back. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't regret it because, you know, him and Steve McCall were fantastic managers. I think one of the refreshing things of just having a chat with you with this is that obviously you're quite open about, as you say, chasing the dollar. There's too many people who turn around and go, no, it's the love of the football. It, it's this, it's that. Sometimes, as you said, right in the beginning, it's a very short career. Um, and if you look at it, it, it can be as short as possibly 10, 12 years and sometimes a lot a lot less. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, you, you can look at this, Darren, and, and I know so many players that have been in, in football around, around seven years, you know, and, and that is pretty much your market, your window. Uh, and I, I was greedy for money because I wanted a nice car. I wanted a nice house. I wanted to show off. But, but, but I never really thought about the 30s. I thought about right did. here, right now. And how much can I earn right now? So I didn't want to leave Torquay. I, I absolutely adored my time at Brentford. And Steve Coppell, if he would have stayed, um, I would never have left. He told me when Ron Nodes, bless him, put me on the transfer list because I was one of the higher earners. Cop said to me, don't go. I want you here. You've got 18 months to run uh, and I'd like you to stay. Barnsley came in for me on more money, a division up, so championship. And my head said, look, it's, it's an, it, they offered me an extra year on top. Financially, it was crazy not to go. So, can you remember your last game? I think my last game could have been against, I think possibly against Brentford for Barnsley. Uh, I played, I actually got a bigger cheer from the Brentford fans, and this was at Barnsley, than I got from the Barnsley fans at that time. Uh, I think that may have been my last game. I don't know. Um, I remember not wanting to play towards there and this is something else a footballer would never probably tell you but the last six or seven games I probably could have played but I think just through I'd lost my love for the game um, and I'd lost I, I started to play with a bit of fear and in my heart of hearts I knew I didn't want to be a footballer anymore that was at that point where I, I Gudjon Thordeson came in to Barnsley and I looked at him and I was way older than probably what he wanted. So I had a really honest conversation with him. I said, do I fit into your plans? He went, no. I went, brilliant. Can I get paid up and leave? I said, because I don't want to be here. And that was, he said, of course, Paul, no problems at all. And then I went in to see the chairman at the time, which was the old Leeds chairman. He, uh, when he bought, he actually bought Rio Ferdinand and let me go. Uh, <laughs> Barnsley. Do you know what I told him? I was really honest. He said, why do you want to go, Paul? I said, because I've lost my love for this game. I said, I'm 32. I believe if I get out now and you pay me up some money, um, I can try and set myself up in, in another career. So by the time I'm 50, I can actually look at retiring again. You, you say about that, that last six, seven games. Can you 
remember actually being, say, sat at home at this stage and just one night it was, I've had enough. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I there was, there was a, a couple of factors. Um, I wasn't enjoying the football. I was playing with fear and I, I, that, that's not, I never, cause it was, we talk about my, my drive, my passion. Um, the fear actually got hold of me and I didn't have the greatest of times at Barnsley, albeit I always gave a hundred percent, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't work. Whether it was my, my mixing with the players, albeit I loved, I'd enjoyed the change room, but there was a couple of sly little snakes in the change room and I didn't like it. And, and I knew who they were, but I couldn't do anything about it. Um, and it really put me off my game. And, you know, when you look at fans and they say, why is that player not playing well anymore? Well, you, you don't just leave from one. There's so much more to it than, than fans even even can anticipate and, and, and think of. Um, I didn't turn over to a bad player overnight. It was where I was. And things around me weren't working and it didn't fit. You know, I could have left to another club and it gone absolutely brilliant again. But I, I knew my time was up. My uh, At the time, my I had a, a one-year-old boy, Dylan, he was just born. I wanted to spend a bit more time with him. They were yeah. down in London. So I wanted to, to let go and try and get back down London way and try and apply my trade there. And I tried to get back into Brentford, which I ended up training there for four months with, uh, with Wally Downs. Who was the first person you told you wanted to retire? <sighs> Myself in the mirror about 10 times. Um, because I couldn't actually believe I was telling it. Was that really hard? Yeah, it was. Um, it, it's 32. When I look at, I, I was looking at myself and think I'm 32, and it's the only thing I know. I've got nothing else. I I flunked school. I got. I, I think the highest grade I got was a B, and that was in PE. Um, I had no education. I'm not a great reader, um, and I struggled. I really, really struggled with school. You know, because my head didn't take school in very well so because but you put a ball in front of me that was it yeah and that's the only thing they ever focused on yeah so I kind of battled with myself a lot before I made that decision and knocked on the manager's door Uh, and that was that was the worst day of mine because that was me giving up and I didn't like that about me how did the manager react to that then with Gudjun he came in he uh, we got on okay it was it was a fresh start I just didn't see me being part of his plans and, and I thought, I'm not going to waste my time up here. And that just, because I wasn't enjoying it anyway, that just put the icing on for me. Um, and I thought, I can't, I, I actually had Rotherham um, and um, Keith Curl when he was at Rochdale, both ringing me up saying, look, don't quit. Come to us, come and try come on trial or um, we'll sign you on in this month. And I turned them down. And 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 I thought, Jesus Christ! If I'm if I'm turning them down, my days are done. They're over. Um, Do you think you were doing and, your head before your body? Yeah, my head my head gave in, and yeah. and that my body could have carried on without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I I would have seen me playing until my 37, 38, 40. I I because I, I was so dedicated to fitness. Um, but my head gave in on football, and I think it gave in. For, uh, which I thought were all the wrong reasons at that time. Looking back, they were all the right reasons Um, because it gave me the opportunities now, which I've, I've grabbed, I've nurtured, I've grown and I've developed. You have. I mean, that kicks me on to obviously your last game and different things. And you went on with your sister Sharon to um, obviously a PNS 
um, where you've made a massive success of it, where I think, was it 2006 you started that? So yes. yeah. you were, what, 30, uh, what was it, 39 when you started? So, no, so I set up, we've been going nearly 16 years now. So I was, it was three years after football because I, I won after finishing football. Um, I, I traveled around doing the non league circuit for it just purely again for the money, just because when you come out of football, no one speaks to you no more. No, no fans, no one wants to know you, no one's interested in you. And I really hit a wall. Um, and it, it's a story, it's a, it's a sad, sad but brilliant story. And this is where I'll put my positive spin onto it. Um, I really struggled and I suffered inwardly with depression. Um, I was really sad. I was feeling really sad for myself and I didn't understand why I was feeling like that. Um, I was taking my little boy out, who Dylan, who's obviously now nearly 18. Um, I was taking him out on long walks just so I could get out of the house yeah. and, and, and fight with my head to say, come on, mate, this is not you. I came back one afternoon and I'd not worked for quite a while and I was trying to think of what the hell I was going to do. And my, my missus at the time mm. said to me, I've lost all respect for you. What is wrong with you? Go get a fucking job. Excuse my French. And that was the catalyst. Yeah. That light bulb. That just that could have taken me two ways. That could have put me even deeper. Or that light bulb that went for me. And I thought, she's never going to tell me that again. And that was it. I then went to my dad. I started working on site. I saw an opportunity where I was on a construction site where loads of guys were signing timesheets from an agency. I went straight after my sister who was in recruitment. And I said, we're setting up an agency. She went, what do you know about recruitment? Went, nothing. I said, but I'm telling you now, there's money in it and we're having it. And I persuaded my sister to leave a very, very well-paid job um, to sell her car. I sold my car, um, whatever I had left. And we started the business. We borrowed money from my uh, mum my and my stepdad and my dad. Um, we borrowed 10 grand and I had a budget to get that business up and running within three months. And that was the start of it. And that's when we launched. It took me three years to find myself. Um, but in 2006, that's when PNS started. I know that we yeah. spoke um, through lockdown and it wasn't a very good lockdown for yourself, um, yeah. especially with everything, what was happening around the country, around the world and everything. But I think looking at you, that you're now starting to come out the other side. Is that right to say? Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, this this second lockdown has been uh, it's been difficult. I In the first lockdown, business-wise, it was very, very difficult. But because we're quite a diverse agency, we cover a lot of sectors. So, my dad's always said to me and my mum, if you want something in life, boy, go get it. It's never given to you. And and that's been the way I've, I've always been brought up, you know, two hardworking parents. And and now I tell my kids exactly the same, you know, exactly. grow up. I'm, 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 I'm no, I'm no um, snowflake with my kids. You know, they don't get the easy ride with me. And I don't, I don't agree with them. Oh, we've got to do this. No, <laughs> they will be taught the hard way and, and they will learn and understand what respect is. I want them to be winners, but I want them to understand losing and do it graciously. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two things and I want you to give you the first thing what comes into your mind. I, I think okay. I've got me to Okay. This is dangerous. Pele or Maradona? Maradona. Messi or Ronaldo? Ah, Ronaldo. Cole or York? Cole. Brentford or Barnsley? Brentford. Music or peace and quiet? Music. Knuckleball or Swaz? <laughs> swaz. Swaz. Blondes or brunettes? Uh, blonde. I think I know the answer to this one, but big matches or do you get nervous? 
big matches. Yeah, every time. I, I thought I'd put that one in because some some of the footballers actually get really nervous, but I used to love them. The bigger the game, the better for me. Um, I Do you know what? The more people there, bloody hell, yeah. Mate, I've done the Invictus Games, and when we played sitting volleyball, we had 3,500 people watching us play sitting volleyball, and then I got dragged off to one side for an interview. And at the end of the interview, which was live on Australian television, they told us there was 6 million people watching. Um, wow. And it was like... I'm glad you told me that after the interview, <laughs> but yeah, they loved it awesome. because of the energy what came from it. But that I think that's a big one. Do people get nervous or is it the big matches? Yeah, big but, matches all day. Yeah, every time. Right. So, I mean, it, it's been really good to talk to you, but one thing I want to say, and I want this to keep in this podcast, is that over the last seven, eight months that we've been part of this charity committee where there's been four of us, five of us, in there and um, I'm desperate to get this NHS football game off the ground but I think with the likes of yourself Mike Bushell Mark Cartwright Marco Burns who has you kept me together um, through this and I will make this game succeed but without you guys I don't think it would have happened on the other flip side you know that I'm part of the WhatsApp group with all of the the ex-footballers there's some names in there which I won't go into and every one of them um, it gives the back and but I wanted to personally thank you for being there, part of that committee to try and get this game off the ground for me. So thank you very uh, much. Do, do you know that's the what, what you do? I mean, uh, what we do is nothing because without people like you that will go out there, stick their necks on the line and say, I'm going to make this happen and then ask all of us to just turn up. I mean, it's it's phenomenal, and you you need a massive pat on the back, you know, for the hard work that you put into this. Drawing the amount of names that you pulled in is absolutely <laughs> unbelievable, um, and you know, you know, full credit to you and applauds to you, mate, because it's it's people like you that make Great Britain great, you know, and that's how it should be. There should be more people like you, and you know, as much as I can do to help you and and the the rest of the committee and. And stuff like that it's 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 easy my bits are easy you you what you done what you've done is just absolutely phenomenal mate so well done no thank you and i think on that note i think i'll bring it a close to this podcast and thank you very much for your time uh it's been amazing to hear your journey through football and obviously pns at the end as well uh, yeah, but no thanks a lot it's been great that's a pleasure Dan.